The Star Wars fun continues as we lead up to the eventual Last Jedi conversation, uh, which I haven't seen at this point in time, but I'm very excited about it. I'm hopefully spoiler-free, although I, I might have... Somebody might have direct messaged me a real spoiler, and I don't know yet if it is, but you know what? It kind of is a, is a problem because I'm going to spend the whole time during the movie with this in my head. It's similar to if somebody tells you that there's this crazy twist in the movie and you're never going to believe it. It's totally insane. And you're like, okay, I'll, I'll give it a shot. I'll see what the twist is. And you're watching the movie and you're watching the movie and you're like, is this going to be the twist? Is this the twist? And then the twist comes and, you know, it's it's not that twisted. You're you're like, uh, you know, it was so hyped up on how twisty this was going to be. So just that time spent thinking about it can definitely diminish from a movie. But part of me almost wonders how long I can keep up this total media blackout of every Star Wars movie that comes out. I, I might eventually just have to resign myself to just watching the trailers because it's more frustrating to have somebody else impose the spoiler on me then it probably would be to just watch the trailers. But for now, I maintain my policy of total media blackout on any movies that I'm really excited to see. And uh, yeah, this is Rogue One. I was pretty successful on my media blackout on this one too. And I wonder how many of these we can do. I mean, now that there's a Star Wars every single year, like it's a lot of Star Wars. Are we allowed to sing the, a bit of the theme as long as it's less than 30 seconds? <laughs> Do you want to sing our intro? Yeah, sure. Uh, 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 now, uh, a Star Wars Rogue One podcast type thing featuring Tyler Stallman and Rob Mendelson. Actually, this is an interesting place to start. Yes. Starting with Rogue One, yes. there's no crawl. No. And there is no uh, normal Star Wars fanfare. No, no Star Wars fanfare. Uh, um, just the Lucasfilm tag comes up and then disappears. And then it just started. So I guess that's how we have to do it. We have to just start. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. Because, yeah, last year on the podcast, I posted the regular, the, the fanfare. But this year, no fanfare because Rogue One doesn't have it. No. No. There was, there was no... No, not any fanfare in the film. So, uh, like I was just saying, this is a, our, our annual tradition of getting together and yes. dissecting the latest Star Wars, which is apparently going to be something that's going to be happening every, every year, year for until a while. the end of time. <laughs> uh, so we'll, we'll see how much our energy can stay up about it. But for the time being, mm -hmm. I think there's a lot to say yes. uh, about this particular film. It's the first non-canonical, non- well, they're Official? calling it an, you... an, an like a, they're calling it an anthology film, so okay, it's right. not part of the it's not part of the main. Right, yeah, I would say canonical. Yeah, no, but it, but it is in the canon. Yeah, so it's just not non. It's not in the saga. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not yeah. in the Star Wars saga. That's right. Yeah, it's yeah. A non saga logical. Yeah, and um, I think there's a few. I should have written down these key points that I wanted to to cover, but there's things that it needed to do to succeed, and yes. they're not at all the same as what. Uh, a force no, awakens needed to, to force do, awakens so. needed to yeah needed to pick up somehow where return of the jedi left off mm -hmm. well and, and in a way where the prequel films left off whereas um expectations and, and were a, reinstill trust like, yes absolutely. earn back trust that was one of the really big things yeah and we and we talked a lot about that the last time for those of you who missed uh <laughs> 90 minutes of star wars podcasting last time mm -hmm. uh we talked about the idea of rebuilding trust because there were a lot of people who didn't, well, certainly like a generation that didn't buy into the prequel films Right. that, that I still, I mean, I've got a ton of respect for George Lucas and everything that he did. Like, you yeah. know, I love, I, I love that, that he and Lucasfilm have been pushing digital technology. And I love that, Absolutely. like, you know, it was probably 
probably more him than anybody else that got us switched over to digital projection. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, we can thank him for being able to edit videos on computers. We can thank him for audio editing. Oh, yeah, we can definitely. thank him for, we can thank the guys at ILM for Photoshop. I just found out. Yeah. Uh, John Knoll, who's yes. one of the main story uh, creators for Rogue One is a primary Photoshop founder as yep. well. Yeah. So, I mean, all this, what he was doing was important around the films, mm-hmm. but maybe telling a story that wasn't as important to us as he had hoped. Uh, when it was all George Lucas, it was, it really was one guy, like one guy yeah. with a bunch of kooky ideas. And he's yeah. like, I'm going to make what I want to make. And it was the most expensive indie film ever made and the most successful. Yes. Like really more or less independent films mm-hmm. with very, with no studio control. Not really. I, I, I don't know. What... 20th Century Fox basically was 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 fairly hands off on it, which is surprising. Yeah. And I, it may be like, I mean, you know, you've seen Yodorowsky's Dune. No. Oh, my gosh. I haven't seen I haven't seen any Dune anything. Well, OK, so um, the there's a great documentary on Netflix. Uh, check it out. I, I, I've heard about it. But yeah, yeah. That, uh, like the. Yeah, Yodorowsky was going to go to make Dune. And then <laughs> okay. they, they put together this Bible and the Bible circulated and, and images and ideas that. Like it almost went into production, but mm-hmm. not quite. And so studios began to just in the back of their heads sort of consider something on this scale. Right. So 20th Century Fox was definitely a, a key force in getting A New Hope made, mm-hmm. or Star Wars as it was, as we still call it. <laughs> yes. I, I can't. No, I, okay. I think we have to just stick with A New Hope right now. And yeah. this movie really pushed that. Like they said the word hope a dozen times. They kept yes. it. And obviously to connect it to the movie about to come after it. And I think it's hopeless to to try to stick on to just calling it stars, which yeah. I, I know a lot of the other people that would be recording things like nerdy enough to record a star Wars thing, want to call it just star Wars. Yeah. Which is the name of the film was the name of the film. Yes. But is it more useful to call it a new hope at this yeah. point? I mean, <laughs> so, so in any case, I think I we mean, covered this ground. In the last we one. did. And so we'll, and, yeah. and we'll okay. get around to it yeah. again, yeah. I'm sure. Uh, but it was, it was good to see. I mean, and then Lucas took control of Lucasfilm that took control of everything Star Wars that happened after that. Yeah. And they were all essentially large scale independent films, which is, yeah, I mean, he basically took all the money he made from each film, reinvested into the next one and didn't really exit until the end of each trilogy. Right. Yeah. So after return of the Jedi, he, he did take that money and he, you know, built up Lucas or uh, Skywalker ranch. And he, he, he he kind of exited at that point and he got divorced and needed more money because he lost a lot of it. So he made the prequels. (laughs) And then after the same thing, he was like Mm -hmm. constantly reinvesting the money. Yeah. And at the end of the last one, again, kind of step back. Exactly. So, but but like my, my point I wanted to get to with this is I love that one guy did this. Like it's really easy to criticize him for the terrible story writing that he did and the terrible dialogue. And like, there's a lot of horrible mistakes he's made with this story we all love, Mm -hmm. but it was fun that it was somebody willing to take these kind of risks and Disney's not going to take these risks. These will, which is, probably gonna make for better films yeah but disney <laughs> but, needs safer bets they yeah. can't they can't really they can't have a star wars christmas special they can't have an ewoks uh movie mm-hmm. or two Endor. ewoks movies yeah. yeah which i loosely remember mm-hmm. and i actually as a, a child watched battle for Endor, which is the second ewok movie more yeah. than any of the other star wars films because it was what i had on tape i didn't have vhs's of the other ones that a oh, tv funny. recording that one so yeah yeah no that makes sense that actually, has the because... most young memories for me because i watched it over and over and i think probably too i mean i remember seeing it a couple times we rented it at the local video store mm-hmm. so for those of you who are young um there were these places that had uh like videos not often vhs <laughs> they were actually usually these little smaller they're called beta mm-hmm. and you could go to a store and you could rent them like a library i don't know what you're talking about and it's kind of like a library okay so a library for those of you who are younger is a, <laughs> is a room full of books that that you can 
borrow. We just actually went and de- de- donated the rest of our DVDs to the library the other day. Great. Because it's basically, it has become a video store. Yeah. Anyway, what are we talking about? Okay. Well, um, we're getting around to, back. R- what, what uh, we actually to, to Rogue, Rogue One. One. Uh, okay. So Rogue One. Um, oh, by the way, full spoiler alert the whole time. Oh God. Yes. Yeah. We will, Which, we will be spoiling uh, this film. Can you start by explaining how this fits into the Star Wars canon? Okay. So, so um, Lucasfilm, Kathleen Kennedy and Disney approved of some ideas that had been kicking around Lucasfilm apparently for a number of years, some of which were going to be spun off into the Star Wars live action TV show that never ended up really happening, and some script ideas that had been floating apparently in their world for a while. And so this is, we were told, was going to be the lead up to everything that we needed to uh, find out about for A New Hope, like how the plans for the Death Star were secured Mm -hmm. in order to allow the Rebels a chance to defeat the Empire. The first time around. Okay. And uh, th- there was other ideas kicked around that I've heard at this time. And then mm-hmm. basically John Knoll, the Photoshop guy was, it was, it was actually his idea, which is like really interesting that mm-hmm. um, basically a leading technologist that's shaped our world in so many other ways yeah. was the one that really like pushed this idea forward. That's and, what I've, that's what I've heard as well. And yeah. so that's, I think that's a really interesting thing to have out there. But so there are hints at, there being some kind of uh, like big event that led up to though. Actually, we're not really sure how big the event is. Cause I think it's a bit underplayed when they get the, the plans for the death star mm-hmm. in, in return of the Jedi. Right. So in this case, we're not, we, we know from the beginning of a new hope that there were some kind of transmissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, John Noel actually mentioned it. Yeah. Okay. Like some yeah. transmissions. No, well, what I was just laughing about is, rem- is realizing that we are now missing the explanation to, how did they get the second Death Star play? Like, is that going to be, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, is that yeah. going to be Rogue 2 okay, is getting go the back. second Death yeah, Star play? Like, no, because they'll be Bothans. It'll be called Bothans. Yeah, right. Well, uh, which, yeah. which was the one line I was waiting for the whole time. I'm yeah. like, where's the Bothans? When are they going to die? Apparently, they And then I get die. to the end of the movie and I realize, like, oh, I was reading a quote from the wrong film. Um, yeah. Which, yeah, in Return of the Jedi, there's a line about many Bothans died too. Yeah. And not in New Hope. No. This is so off track. Uh, yes, it okay. is. Okay, so we're getting back to yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rogue One. So, um, yeah. so um, I, I think maybe an interesting place to start is uh, like what your narrative expectations were, because mm-hmm. I, I mean, that that's what everybody was trying to predict. And even when I, I tried to avoid the Internet for most of the last like six months. Good call. But uh, the idea that people were out there uh, dissecting the trailer for mm-hmm. every piece of information that could possibly <laughs> soak out of it. Yeah, which is. I mean, good for them. Well, no, 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 but so it turns out to be funny because most of what's in the trailers <laughs> did not end up in the films. Yeah, they reshot a bunch of stuff, including the entire ending. I'm uh, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. So, yeah. so from some of the reactions that I've read online, mm-hmm. I've never been more glad that I avoid trailers to movies that I already am going to see. Yeah, I've had this policy for a while. If I plan to see this movie, I'm going on a media blackout, and I will not. I'll just read nothing about it because I'm going to watch the movie and I want to be fresh to it yeah and i am so happy i did with this one because from other reactions i've heard they spent the whole time wondering like when but th- wh- when does this scene happen like i thought this was going to happen and like even certain characters uh looking different different costumes different yeah yeah which i mean you know uh, the uh, you know it's their impetus to reshoot anything yeah uh and it probably turned out for the better because I yeah. you know, generally it was a pretty good film. So yeah, I don't think I would. I, I don't think I want to go back and and wish for the anything. unrewritten. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. So expectations. Yeah, uh, we had a conversation before seeing the film, uh, and 
I'm coming at it a bit late because it's been out for a few weeks. <laughs> yeah, now, but... I was hoping to hit it on day one, and now we are three weeks later. Yeah, exactly. But we we had a conversation about uh, what kinds of things we were expecting, and I was just like, well, I, I think I at one point said, well, somebody has to survive because somebody has to get those plans. Mm-hmm. But and then I think late in the conversation, I backtracked and I was like, actually, it's not necessary that somebody survives as long as they can get the plans out. Right. So maybe so you called it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and look, kind of. So there's your there's your biggest spoiler. Yeah. So spoiler alert. Still, uh, yeah. if, we, if we can't if we can't say it enough times, you've been warned. Um, everyone dies. Yeah. But yeah. Okay. So just end of expectations is basically that expected to be good. Mm-hmm. I I wouldn't have been very surprised if it was bad. I think everybody would have been surprised if this yeah. was prequel quality or just crap. I mean, it, it had to at least be half decent. Yes. Yeah, and Disney. I mean, Disney's got a, a vested interest in making this making this thing go too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they paid a ton of money for Lucasfilm, so they yeah. need to make sure that that these properties are successful. Yeah. yeah. So it's an interesting uh, balancing act for them to do. But yeah, so I mean, I was expecting I was expecting plans to get out. I was expecting to see some references to to things that could have been around. So uh, I mean, uh, so I read the Entertainment Weekly. Uh, magazine mm-hmm. and they can I flip through it while, you, yeah, while you're talking here so they, released it, they released it well before the film yeah so you could get some hints and so one of the things they were saying is like oh could darth vader make an appearance because you know that darth yeah. vader would have been around but I, I didn't find that surprising to me that was that would have been a narrative necessity like if you're dealing with the death star and you're dealing with the plans for it and you're dealing with trying to do something about it then at some point darth vader has to be around well i've got to say i um I was really glad I didn't watch anything because I didn't know. I, I tried not to think about it as mm-hmm. well. I didn't. I said this about Force Awakens as well. Yeah. I tried not to dissect anything or just put thought into what's this going to be, so that things could be surprises. And then it was. I didn't know Darth Vader was in the movie, so it was. Yeah. I was very pleasantly surprised to see him in there. The other other thing we talked about in terms of expectations was how close to A New Hope this film would this film would happen. Uh, like how how close in time it would happen if this would be uh, months and months or years and years before the completion of the Death Star or if it would be uh, moments before A New Hope was yeah. happening or even happening sequentially, like right at the beginning of it. Right. Which and again, the, the spoilers keep coming, but it, <laughs> but it but it ends up happening stacked right on top of it. And in fact, they've written the planet that is in this that, that they're they keep the Death Star plans on that they test the Death Star on the. Imperial database, or right? Uh, something. Yeah, it's a, it's. it's in I, here we should have had a list of all the names of everything yes. coming. Oh up my so god, we, uh, there'll be so many like names. Experts. But they wrote it into the Star Wars universe as being close to Tatooine, so that when the ship escapes in the end mm-hmm. and and makes a run for it, they don't have to get very far. They only have to get to Tatooine, which is the next planet over. Right, and that's presumably something you can do without even going to light speed. Uh, I see, uh, and yeah. so it's not a long chase. Like this mm-hmm. chase may be. If if the, you know if Entertainment Weekly yep. has it right, then this chase may be as short as Again. five minutes. Like yeah, sure, five like minutes, an is, hour yeah. later. Yeah, and th- and then we're starting a new hope. So right. interesting to see that. And I went back and watched New Hope after this, and yeah, there's little. Yeah, I was going to today. I want to. It's uh, it's good. I mean, it makes the first act of Star Wars seem really anchored, whereas uh, it used to seem more science fictiony mm-hmm. before we'd seen this right. film. So there's that feeling well, like oh. Where is a lot of the stuff coming from? I wonder if there's going to be this feeling of the energy dropping because we go back in time to 70s filmmaking. You know what I mean? That like there's that final scene at the end of Rogue One where Vader, like the scene, I mean, the Vader scene of all time. Yes. Yeah. 
um, where we get this super violent, super badass Vader yeah. killing everyone in the room. Yeah. And we jump back to the seventies where it's all a little more campy. He doesn't end up killing anyone. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. so visibly, like yeah. everything's just, I wonder if it'll like feel like this sort of, uh, drop in energy, but I haven't watched them one after the other yet. So, well, you know, I watched, I went back and as I said, I watched, um, uh, a new hope right after that. And it, it's hard for me to separate what I remember about it as a, as a kid mm-hmm. from, from seeing it in chronological perspective right. now. So, I, I mean, that was always an issue with, um, with the prequels as well, is because the Jedis were so awesome and mm-hmm. then, well, or so ostensibly awesome. I, I, I still have some, <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. I'll let it go. Uh, but it, uh, because those stories are so important to me, the original three films are such, such an important narrative to me. Mm-hmm. All of that was forgiven. And so it would be interesting if you were coming into this new, if you were going to try to again, watch them in some kind of order where you might start and where you might end and how that might impact your feeling about it. Yeah. I was thinking about the watching order now because what it was sort of settled on like things like machete order or yeah. what was the other one called where we knew how to watch Star Wars, right? Yes. Like there was a sequence. Yeah. So you could start, I, I think some of the old ones, they like, so there was, there was one suggestion where it was, you start with, um, no, episode four yeah. and then go to Empire Strikes Back and then go back to once the, the, once the revelation that Darth Vader is Luke's yeah. father. So that's a spoiler for those of you who've never seen <laughs> yeah. Empire Strikes Back. Then yeah. we go back then you to go back episode to one, two, three. And I think that that made a lot of sense. Yeah. Now, uh, I think you kind of pick and choose your starting place. Yeah, because this one really screws it up. Like, do you watch this before a new hope, or do you do you show your kids Rogue One before a New Hope? I don't know. I don't. Uh, yeah, I mean, I would I would be tempted to start with a I, New Hope. I, yeah, I st- I kind of still think chronological shooting order is is what I'd lean towards. Shooting order, yeah. Because I've always been as interested in the story of Star Wars, the film, as the sto- as in the stories that are actually being told in it. Yeah. So I would love to spend, I'd love to show somebody new through that same process and like experience the disappointment of the prequels <laughs> and then the, yes. you know, um, excitement of, of the, of the new films and, yeah. and how much better they can be. So. And I think, you know, there's, there's the, the potential continues to expand mm-hmm. and these stories, again, getting back to our expectations about them, like if they're going to do these anthology films, then they have to, uh, in, in a way, they have a bit of a harder job than force awakens did Mm -hmm. force awakens needed to rebuild our trust and, and let us back into this world and uh, get us interested in hearing the original story continued. Yeah. In this case though, we're not gaining any new information that is critical to us. In many cases, it's part of the expanded George Lucas universe. And, you know, and he had this whole, he had this whole universe kind of in his head and he pieced it slowly together and mm-hmm. then, and then built it up and built it up until it became what it was. And so there is a catalog of stuff that comes from role-playing games and comic books and, and all of that, yeah. that could potentially be reintroduced as stories. Right. But I think the anthology films, sh- hopefully they'll focus on the most important elements of that. I'm very curious to see how the Han Solo film ends up working out. Yeah, absolutely. Well, that reminds me of two things that I, I liked about this film. One is how much they brought in from original thrown away George Lucas scripts. Mm-hmm. Uh, so same as in Force Awakens, naming it the, oh wait, I already forgot what it's called. The planet thing they blow up isn't the Death Star. It's oh, the, the, uh, the Starkiller base. Starkiller yeah. is uh, 
Skywalker's original name. Yep. And in this one, Kyber, Kyber crystals were one of the main focal points of all the really early scripts. Like, yes, it was all about Kyber crystals. They were yeah, at the center were of the story. In the lightsabers, they're in the, and they got removed from the universe of it all. Yeah. And then, and then delicately inserted back in. Yeah. And then in some way, they also mentioned the journal of the wills. I think it is the first time that was in a film. It's gotta be. I'm, I mean, yeah. Uh, and for anybody that doesn't know that that was what George Lucas called th- like the source material of the first one, kind of like how um, in Lord of the Rings, the Hobbit exists as a, as a book inside of the universe. Mm-hmm. Like Bilbo Baggins writes a book called a journey, something, something. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the, the, or there and back again. Yeah, yeah. There and back again. Yeah. yeah. And then the journal of the wills is like the book that contains the history of of the world of star Wars. And they brought that in, in this film for the first time. Interesting. And then there's other things like, um, the force of others mm-hmm. is how they referred to the force. And originally that's how we always referred to the force over and over. It wasn't like the force became shorthand for what was previously called the fourth of others force mm. of others. So I don't know. There's just some random trivia that I had yeah. floating around in my head that I thought was really fun that like the writers are going back to really early George Lucas material mm-hmm. Instead of just making up their own words or making up completely their own ideas, they're still trying to pull threads of, of you know, rejected Lucas ideas. Yeah, which is, I mean, again, kind of a that is a that is a tightrope. They'll never make a film of the Silmarillion. They tr- <laughs> they tried, sort really? of. Yeah, they know. jammed a bunch of it into the Hobbit, but also not quite. Yeah. I mean, they I also could, <laughs> they also tried to like when Gandalf gives an expository explanation of where he has been right. for all this time. Then could it maybe just like, be oh, like I went a, to fight the Witch King and then I came back? Could that be Don't an worry. HBO special though? I mean, you know, maybe one hour at a time that is given to each chapter of the Cimmerian. <laughs> God, it'd be unwatchable. But then the other thing I really liked about this this movie is that it, it really has an ending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it really has an ending. Yes, it really does. Um, but even though obviously it leads into another film, but all of the narrative the narrative tension it is building resolves itself for the most part. Like it leads you to some new characters. Yeah. You know, okay. Now what's Darth Vader going to do? And who's this girl with uh, buns in her hair that I see at the last second. Yeah. But um, the, the primary characters of this um, have completed their journeys by the end. And, you know, they have. It's- and I think, uh, I don't know whether or not they were hoping to maybe salvage a couple of characters or just decided to uh, go clean slate. But I think th- the film does a couple things. Well, so, so uh, we already talked again about the spoilers, but everybody dies. And that's, <laughs> and that's, dies. that's, and really I do. think that's great because yeah. the galactic empire uh, in the, in the prequel films <laughs> is a, is a political agency. And, yeah. we, and we're like, we understand how, you know, like, like evil people get into power and, right. and, and it's all very 2016. So again, George Lucas was prescient on that point of view. If the emperor had had a reality show, then, then it would have been even more, on the nose, <laughs> but um, they—they're not bad guys. The yeah. Sith are bad guys, mm-hmm. but the Empire itself is not—not right. not an arm really of the Sith yet. Right. And so you know when the Emperor convinces young Anakin to go kill the the, the younglings, which is a hard scene to watch <laughs> because it's so emotional. Uh, yeah, yeah. For the emotional, so, yeah, yeah you're so, so connected, connected to the characters. characters. I was like, oh, I really yeah. feel for these for these guys. That we cut away from, which I, again I get it. Uh, you know, it's hard to watch kids get slaughtered by lightsabers, by but fictional they're, lightsabers. They're, in a they're not kids, so yeah, yeah. I'm sorry, my yeah. younglings. Yeah, <laughs> which gives them a name that also makes them seem really important and meaningful. They could just well. call them space kids. Yeah, space kids would have been so good. Um, oh, anyway, so 
so but the empire itself is it's not less evil but now you know right. we see their we see their prison camps we see forced labor we see um people who've tried to escape them we see a variety of different uh rebel groups mm-hmm. and so the film does a really great job of making the empire threatening and i think killing off these characters in their doing one act that they think can finally that can finally help and really make a difference is a is a great way to set the tone for the original mm-hmm. Trilogy. Yeah, it, it raises the stakes. Yes, because you, you, there aren't that many characters you really love that get killed. No, otherwise, so the the threat is a little more abstract. Mm-hmm. It's a little less palpable and, and, and right there. So now, yeah, we know how bad they can be, and that they've cost the lives of some people we've come to to love. So the people who die in the original films are anybody who's an admiral on a on a star destroyer, mm-hmm. and uh, oh, so, oh okay. Uncle Owen and Aunt Beru. Well, who, so I think it's really important to talk about moths on star destroyers yes okay this is what this is one of the most important things mm-hmm. is um tarkin he's in this movie yes a lot yeah how did you feel i have no idea how I, you okay feel. so i thought i mean it was interesting to see the facial mapping mm-hmm. in, in this film because mm-hmm. uh obviously he's he's not we're actually doing it right now yeah exactly <laughs> we like, swapped not, faces this yeah whole time. this is yeah, the, yeah it's a this new filter actually so it's maybe not amazing <laughs> it's just a snapchat filter. Yeah, it's like oh yeah i'm grandma tarkin now <laughs> But I mean, it was interesting to see a performance from from him, and they found an actor to provide a very similar sort of a, a very similar body kind of acting. voice, yeah, and yeah, and vocal acting, yeah, and so um, workable. I thought it was I thought it was interesting to have Grand Moff Tarkin in the film, and were there a couple of others as well that they found? Uh, yeah, close so there's enough the uh, Red Leader and Gold Leader. Yes. Uh, which I didn't recognize because I just, I don't know, I couldn't recognize the actors, but yeah. reading about it afterwards, but I, 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 I appreciate them, I was just it. like, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but okay, so I, I don't think it was worth it. I'm just going to cut to the chase. Okay. I, I spent the whole time he was on screen thinking about it, like a value, like thinking about what he looked like. And there are definitely imperfections to, to, to my eyes. Yeah. But afterwards, I, I asked my wife, I asked Anya, um, did you notice which character wasn't real and because she's just not as yeah. familiar right she doesn't yeah. she doesn't care she's like no is there someone that i should have noticed yeah and i was like oh okay so the, the vfx passed i guess yep. you know like if if you weren't looking for it i guess it worked yeah but looking for it it looked awful to me and not <clears throat> not awful. They they did a good job. It looked like an effect though. But yeah, I'm like, this is, this character does not look like the other characters on screen at this moment. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I spent the whole scene evaluating his presence and then the scene ended and I'm, I couldn't remember what the hell he said. Cause that's all I thought about. Right. So, uh, I, I don't want to spend my time thinking about the filmmaking instead of the mm-hmm. film or the story. So that's why I think it was a mistake or not a mistake, but not, the choice I yeah it was a, it, it was a risk and I mean you know all these films have have pushed the envelope a little bit in terms of effects and so mm-hmm. uh, I mean did it really work for you though like did, did it it fell a little short for me I was just like oh that is a, a digital recreation of a, of an actor yeah. that I'm that I that I remember from a thousand viewings mm-hmm. as a child well and what they've said like John Knowles' defense of it was that they did have versions of the script or like contingency plans that if the visual effects didn't work, mm-hmm. they would rewrite it a bit so that he only appeared as a hologram and he was featured. Less uh, that might've worked. Yeah. Yeah. And th- that's mostly what I wish they'd done is just shown him less. He was on screen for so long at a time that and I could just up, keep yeah. staring and staring yeah. at him. Yeah. And if it had just been like a trick, like for a moment, kind of like Leia. Yes. Just for a moment. 
I don't know. I wouldn't have had the time to think about it. He didn't yeah. have to be so prominent character. I see why he had to be there, but yeah, I mean, he's obviously, you know, it, it was an important character in the, in the first film. And so it makes sense for him to be there on the base. Yeah. As the, you know, pilot of the, of Death, the Star. Death Star. Yeah. yeah, yeah so anyway, okay. So, uh, Story-wise, it was fine, though. So mm-hmm. uh, I, I mentioned to you, but I'll mention to the microphone, that I am listening to the audiobook of the prequel book mm-hmm. to this film, yeah, uh, which is really all about the relationship between Galen, who is mm-hmm. Jin's father, yes, the, the scientist, mm-hmm. and then Tarkin and, what's his name? Uh, Krennic, yes. who is the bad guy for our film. Yeah. Um, it's really about like their relationship and builds on it earlier. And I, uh, I just recommend it by the way, if anybody enjoyed this film that the, the book catalyst, which is the prequel adds a lot of like depth and, and after reading that, it makes even more sense for Tarkin to be present. But anyway, the effects didn't really work. Did Leia work for you though? It actually surprised me a little bit. I wasn't sure that they were going to go because I wasn't sure where the film was going to fit in the timeline. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, a big, a big question mark for me again, going into it was like, well, where, like how close is this film? But because it's butted right up against a new hope. And Mm -hmm. once I started seeing those signs, I thought, Oh man, this is, this is going to be, you know, they're going to, yeah. So they're going to have to, and I thought maybe they might kind of body double it or they might just hint at it, or you might see her bending over loading. Yeah. That's what I was expecting. It's like a far away down the hallway shot. Yes. But instead they, they, they went went for for it. it. Yeah. They gave you the close up with the extreme, extremely close, close up. Yeah. So again, visually it didn't work for me. I mean, it just, yeah. I mean, I knew, I, I knew it wasn't, I had a hard time suspending my disbelief. Yeah, Whereas for exactly. the rest of the film, I suspended yeah. my disbelief. You know, there were lots of things that that were that should be hard to accept in any of these films. So to me, if this had been um, just the the back shot of her head, I would have been. Yeah, I think that would have satisfied me as well. Yeah. I mean, I get the I, I get the importance of it. Yeah, I think they just want to show off. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, though, the art direction, costume design, oh. visuals were so good. I, I think like, really, really perfect to me i don't know if i said to you already but Mm -hmm. i think this is the the prettiest star wars film i've seen i think so too i think it looked better in some ways than force awakens force awakens was i don't know i almost don't want to choose it was beautiful there's some very there's some scenes that really stand out for me some of the shots and the lighting a lot of stuff in force awakens was great um and maybe it's, it's maybe a, part of this, like being fans, because we're not. This is this is not an unbiased. <laughs> yeah, thing. yeah. I we, mean, we're like this we're gonna, assumes you like Star Wars. Already, yeah, I mean, yeah. we're gonna we're gonna pretty much whatever product they turn out, we're gonna be like, well, you know, there's things about it we really liked. Yeah. I I and, and I told the story the last time too, but I was uh, complaining with a good friend of mine about which is something I need to get back to about the construction <laughs> of the Death Star. Yeah, but I was complaining with a good friend of mine about about Episode Two when it was out in theaters, and. And we're both big Star Wars fans, and uh, we were on our way back from uh, from a comedy gig, and I was bitter about one part about it, and he was bitter about another part of it, and both of us were very upset about episode two. Mm-hmm. And we pulled up to the local theater, uh, intending to go past it, and he said, do you want to see it again? And I said, <laughs> yes. Yep. And we both furiously purchased tickets and sat angrily wow. and enjoyed it <laughs> again. <laughs> Somehow like, enjoyed still, it. Yeah. 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 So in any case, but this is, this by far exceeded my expectations, yep. which was good. And I think I, I had to temper that because I'm such a fan and because I'm such an easy sell for the Star <laughs> Wars universe, mark, yeah. you know? Yeah. I am a mark. So I had to, I had to keep my expectations a little bit low as well. Mm-hmm. Same with Fantastic Beasts, actually. I had to well, go in thinking like, Hey, let's... which, so what I think maybe really connected with this is that it, it felt even more Star Wars than Force Awakens 
because of the timeline, mm-hmm. because the, the costumes were in the time of the star Wars film. I've seen the most, right? Yes. Like it, and, and some of the most iconic things were the exact same wardrobe, the exact same everything. I mean, it yeah. really felt grounded in the, the same universe because it hasn't moved on. It hasn't started to change. Uh, stormtroopers are wearing the helmets that we recognize. And that's what, one of the things that uh, Gareth Edwards uh, talks about in the, his sort of forward to this Entertainment Weekly. I got to read this. You're really talking it up. It's fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, I mean, it was fun. It was a fun read. It was a Christmas gift. Okay. Yeah. Um, but uh, one of the things he talks about is what a huge fan he was of Star Wars. And it was the one he had on tape. And so he would watch it and rewatch it and rewatch it and rewatch it. And once it, he got to an age where he realized he couldn't be in that world, mm-hmm. Then he started to realize that it was George Lucas's world and that he could be a filmmaker and go on to do all that stuff. And so this is a chance for him to revisit his favorite film and also his favorite act of his favorite film because he'd often start off his day by starting at the beginning of the film and just getting as far as he could go before he went <laughs> to school and then coming back and finishing it off. Right, and yeah. So it's that first act that that has all the details in it that that he has memorized. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure as a visual resource, you know, it was a really – it was a really easy place for him to be. I saw a really exciting quote from Gareth the other day yep. that he saw a new 4K scan of A New Hope recently. Oh, really? Yeah. So oh, I, I don't amazing. know if it, was, it seemed kind of not like a leak, but he just casually mentioned it in an interview. Right. But we, we've got there, there's a new hope that maybe we'll have a new hope because they're not going to redo the visual effects from the. I can't imagine. Well, part of what I wonder about is that is uh me okay but to fill in the blanks for anybody yeah. listening that that means like doing the the additions that george lucas did like mm-hmm. hand not shooting first and extra monsters and all that stuff so that's the stuff that i don't i don't think they're going to redo that because to do it in 4k I, I think they would have to redo the source material disney's not going to release that really mediocre 90s vfx hmm. so does that mean they go back and just give us Yeah, and I wonder how much of the of the stuff in the '90s was uh, future proofed with the expectation of 4K coming. (laughs) Certainly, it was future proofed with the expectation of 1080p. But but it doesn't even look good at 720. I mean, it's not it's not the resolution that looks bad about it. It's that it just doesn't look good. And I think Disney's got to be aware of how poorly it was received. Yeah, I would think so. And I mean, they may. I wouldn't put it past Disney to say, "Hey, you know what? Here's the in 4K the original films." untouched and i'm hopeful so, i mean you've, you've seen that project online where they're re, they've reconstructed them from 16 millimeter prints and yeah, whatever yeah, yeah. They could uh, what's called that's it. that's the version that i have that i watch um, yeah don't remember what it's called it's great though yes and uh so i uh, very like there's some potential for that but returning to rogue one um <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> which which we are, are freely yeah, yeah. what movie are we here from? yeah okay. rogue one anyway uh, some stuff happened and it was great so um the Death Star. Yeah. We see it under construction mm-hmm. in episode three. And then we see it being completed 19-ish or 20-ish years later. I guess 19 years because the, because the, the Jedi twins are born. Right. So uh, Luke and Leia are there at the point where they're about to become involved in the story of A New Hope. So it takes 20 years for them to complete the construction of that. Mm-hmm. And then... A presumably shorter or a secret timeline for the second Death Star, which okay. they're building around Endor. I think I think that I'm more comfortable with the way that the first Death Star was created after seeing this film. Mm-hmm. Like it made me under like just more okay with like okay yeah like they, this is how they did it. And yeah, reading, they got halfway there and then they had to stop and they needed a yeah. bunch of materials. In reading and, the prequel book that I was just talking about, Catalyst, they 
they even more, they sell it on it being real that they built this giant planet thing. Yeah. But as that becomes more real, the idea of making a second one seems so much more impossible. Yes. And uh, in less time. It feels a bit contact with Jodie Foster. What, like when she's lost in, in space? No, and no. And so, uh, so they, they build a device and yeah. it doesn't work and it breaks because well, a terrorist attacks it. Uh, the yeah. first one, but they've built a second backup version. Oh, okay. Japan yeah, right. Because, uh, and so uh, you, I mean, you'd have to, at some point you'd have to go around and explain, and maybe they can drop little hints about that into the Han Solo movie, mm-hmm. for example, like, you know, like where he's smuggling, he ends up smuggling kyber crystals and he doesn't know it's for the empire or right. whatever. But yeah. who knows whether or not, uh, Lord and Miller are going to even bother with any it of that. It can't make sense. It really can't. I mean, ugh, okay. I don't, I don't want to go too far into this. This is a whole other show. Yeah. But, like, but they've got terrible contractors. <laughs> that that yeah. either took 20 years to do a difficult job and then tossed off the last one, mm-hmm. or they really padded the budget for the first one. And then, <laughs> and I mean, but of course, George Lucas didn't want to have the Death Star in the first Okay, film. but how did the, how did there become the flaw in the second one? Yeah, well, and I wonder if, because it was different because they like flew they into the superstructure, it. right? Because it was being protected by a shield from yeah. Endor. But and so, so, but it's, is it the same weakness? I can talk in detail about do they, this. Do they, uh, no. So what did they hit then? So different there's just a they diff- fly into totally the unrelated and they weakness? hit the and they hit the uh, like, like the, the main generator. The, okay. Yeah. Okay, I forgot that. But. Yeah, and then and then like uh, Lando's all there with the with the fishy lips guy. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I got to rewatch the movies apparently, but um. Okay. <laughs> anyway, I mean, Rogue Two is going to have some explaining to do. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. Okay, but let's talk about this movie in, in some more detail. Yes. Like Characters. Okay. Uh, how do we feel? I mean, okay, Jin is our clearly our star. Yes. I didn't connect her as much as Ray. No, I, I mean, Ray sort of had me right away. She had yeah. a bit more kind of, a which bit she's more meant to innocence. be more charming. Yes. I, yeah, think I mean, so. that's part of, that's part of Jin's character is she's a bit more, you know, rough, rough and tough. And yeah. Uh, and she's, and she's got, stubbornly she's got an agenda already. Yeah. And she has an opinion already, which is a little different for Ray because Ray isn't Ray's is, is surprised by everything that's happening yeah, right. to her. And, and and surprised by her experience, whereas Jin is not surprised and is making a decision that she feels is best, for, you know, to honor her family and to mm-hmm. honor what she feels is the right thing to do. Yeah. So, uh, a good character. I liked her. Yeah. And I I like another. I liked another female lead. And I, I shouldn't just compare the two. I mean, doesn't you don't have to take one or the mm-hmm. other. Um, but yes, good character. Yeah. She fit. I, what I really like the character I really liked wasn't in it that much was Matt Mickelson, um, Galen. Yeah. The, her her father. Who uh, I, I think I was realizing walking out of the theater. I don't know if he's ever played a good guy before. He's, he's I've seen him play a lot of bad guys. Yeah, yeah, he's always he's always bad guy, but he totally worked for me as as the good guy, and I yep. really quickly liked him a mm-hmm. lot and liked the idea of their relationship and um, his place in the story. I mean, that mm-hmm. really helped tie things together. That that there was somebody to have planted yes. this and and I think uh, really uh, the dark, you know I mean the, yeah exactly that that idea that somebody planted a weakness that yeah. it was intentional um, tied up a lot of loose ends for fans who were just like yeah why would you leave yeah that? but it totally worked for me too like I'm just going to absorb that into my understanding of the first films it yeah. doesn't feel like a bad like it was it's very it plugs the hole neatly you yeah know? it doesn't feel forced feeling no pun intended I'm sure <laughs> uh, it. it it, it feels like a reasonable explanation that yeah, he wanted yeah. this thing to, he wanted people to know about this exhaust port. <laughs> and uh, so I, I liked that explanation and I liked him for it. I liked him for being somebody who, because you think on a structure of this scale of building something this vast and, 
uh, important to the empire that there would be people with dissenting opinions and especially if yeah. you make the empire evil which i think they did a good job of so mm-hmm. yeah his character worked for me as well yeah we have much more of an understanding now that this is uh, a, a galaxy at war mm-hmm. that this is wartime and um you know the idea originally that the, the whole series is world war ii in space and you've got yeah. space nazis yes um it's it's even more directly connecting to that concept right now. Yeah. And I was like, I was saying with the book, I hate to refer to the book too much because I know nobody's going to read it, but um, it really ties into that. It's that feeling of like when regular people are caught up in uh, nationalism and uh, mm-hmm. the, the force of um, political power, uh, what, how they would react. And what yeah, they would yeah. do. And that's also why I enjoyed there being various rebel factions as opposed to one yeah. sort of unified. Yeah, and, and, yeah, exactly. Seeing the, the rebel force kind of come together mm-hmm. and find their unity when clearly they were on the brink of falling apart. I mean, yeah. you know, if these plans weren't found, this, this wouldn't have worked out. Uh, not, not only because they wouldn't have blown up the Death Star, but just the rebels wouldn't have been able to organize. I don't think yeah. and they would have fallen apart quickly after. So, so that I think uh, another nice moment there. Other standout characters for you? Uh, oh, well, just going back to the CG characters. Yes, the Mon, Ma- Mon Mothma actress worked so perfectly for yeah, me. She's she was great. she was the example of like there was there was no CG. I never questioned it. She she looked very similar, sounded similar, and mm-hmm. acted very well on her own. I mean, it was just everything worked very perfectly. Now, I just found out that uh, thanks Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> I just found out that she was actually in a deleted scene in episode 3. Right, yeah, and she and uh, and Senator Jimmy Smiths were um yeah, were, Jimmy Smiths, no Space Jimmy Smiths. Space Jimmy Smiths were having a conversation about about um what would become of the empire now that it was under that it was under executive control as opposed to uh as opposed to, <laughs> as opposed to under sort of loose democratic control, right? Um, and they used her, and they it was the same thing, and then they cut her out. And so there's a great there's a great shot of her looking very Mon Mothma, and I thought it was interesting to reintroduce her to the world because it seemed like she was when she showed up in Return of the Jedi. I was actually a bit surprised that. Um, but as a kid, I was surprised. I was just like, "Who is this lady?" Because I've never seen her before, but she's so important. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was nice to have her built back into the the universe in a way that was meaningful. That, yeah, she was so important. And here's the ways in which she was involved. So right. I really like that. Yeah. Um, Jimmy Smith, by the way, was Bail Organa. Bail Organa. Who is uh, Princess Leia's stepfather, adopted yes. father. And I also enjoyed him returning to Alderaan yeah. to, so to th- get obliterated. I, I actually liked that these... This is the first connection to the prequels, which Force Awakens totally avoided. But now we've got a few overlapping actors. Yep, it's a little more directly tied to like they're acknowledging the prequels a little more yes. than, than they did in Force Awakens. I mean, Force Awakens, I feel like they made an effort to have no reference. The only references they did were like explaining why clone troopers weren't clones. <laughs> yeah, you know, they only yeah. they kind of reluctantly referred to the prequels. Yeah, whereas now I think they were a little willing to like. To let it be in the universe. Yeah, let's bridge the gap a little yeah, bit. Yeah, um, uh, Darth Vader living in his castle on uh, the volcano planet. Yeah. Um, which so yeah, that was another. That was like a really early concept art thing as well. Mm-hmm. That uh, Vader was going to live in this castle, and now we have it. Yeah. Um, there's a there's a Ralph McQuarrie uh, concept art for, of Star Wars book coming out. Oh, cool! Like, yeah. One of those text. So to have that original yeah. piece in it. Yeah, it would. Really but um, yeah. So uh, another character that I liked. I thought Alan Tudyk as uh, K2SO. Yeah. In- interesting. He t- it took a, mo- most people loved him right away. Like the other reactions I've I heard. I had to warm were, up to him. Yeah. And that's how I would say it took me a while to, yeah. 
but I mean, there was, there was some great moments by the end. Yeah. Some of his, like his animation was great. Like seeing him be nimble and just mm-hmm. being a whole, whole new type of droid and having quick reflexes and stuff. Yes. That was, and running, <laughs> you know, yeah. it was just interesting to see a droid interpreted in a totally different way, being a little less likable even. Yeah. Um, you know. Yeah. I liked his, I enjoyed his smugness. Yeah. As as time went on, I enjoyed his smugness, yeah. and I liked the idea that because he was an imperial droid, he would just <laughs> yeah, he was, had a bit of a head shake as like yeah. he was reprogrammed, but he was still like, "You guys got to get it together." <laughs> yeah. So that was fun. Yeah. The, we had a whole other cast of characters as well. Yeah. But uh, and I mean, this is the problem that I had with with uh, Force Awakens, and we both did because the names are introduced <laughs> to you quickly. Yeah. And, and they're then, all one syllable. Yes, and then and they sort of disappear. Jin saw Baze. And then previously, uh, you know, Ray, Ren, and yeah. Luke, Leia's two, Han. Han. It's a lot of one syllable names yeah, in this universe. Are. And it, because you're absorbing, you're still, there's less of it in this Darth. film, but you're still absorbing, <laughs> yeah. You're still ab- absorbing pieces of the, uh, uh, of the culture. Mm-hmm. But now, I mean, we're, we're nine, eight films in to the Star Wars world. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So... We can catch them a little more quickly, right. but it does still, I think a lot of these films still re- rely on a second viewing. Yeah. And actually another thing, that, another comment that Gareth Edwards made was that he wanted to make sure that like this was You'd a film that if you liked it, it yeah. you were going to watch it 10 or 20 times. Right. So they had to make sure that the performances stood up to 10 or 20 viewings, right. which is a kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah. I mean, I'm excited to see it again. I only saw it once so far. So yeah, no, me too. Yeah. Actually. Um, to, to very quickly conclude, uh, the, the two, uh, gentlemen on the planet whose names elude me, <laughs> we just need a, a list of I names know. and planets sitting right in front of it's us. Sort of like, and I'm and sure I, I all think the of all of them 10 minutes later, like but... all the journalists will be like, uh, just make a list guys. Just yeah. have it on a cue card. And then, and, and then like you're I'm still trying to think of the name of the, the planet. It starts with an M. Okay. Uh, Cassian. Yeah. Okay. Our Cassian. Sort of other anti-hero. Yeah. Yeah. Hero. Great actor. Yeah. Good actor. Um, I didn't love the right. I didn't care about his character ever, which um, I don't know if it was a little intentional because his arc came so late that he turned around. Yes. He was doing the wrong thing for a really long time. So it was hard to really love him at the very end of the movie. Yeah, I agree. Um, he um, he needed to recognize that there was it took you until halfway into the film until you like because it was just like, go kill this guy. Mm-hmm. And then, and we knew all along that he couldn't do that because then they would never get the the information about the weakness to the Death Star. Yeah, but um, his character didn't know that, and when his character realizes it, it's happening so late that it, and then, and and then Jin's father dies anyway. Yeah, and then yeah, it's how much good did he really do? And he's always kind of a dick. Like he's yeah. never. I don't know. He doesn't I mean, really soften. It's, it, it's funny though. Cause like we, yeah, we've got to move with two antiheroes. Do you have to love your hero for it to be a good movie? You know, like, no, maybe not. I don't know. I mean, Luke was unlikable. In lots of he other ways. Kind of, so, yeah. He was too. It's funny. Too... Our, our only true hero in the whole series is really, um, you McGregor, uh, Obi-Wan. Yeah. Obi-Wan is like our purest hero that never really falters. And, sticks to his guns more or less throughout everything. And yeah, he's never a bad guy. No, that's true. Yeah. And he never turns slightly to the dark side. Yeah. He never, uh, and having just rewatched episode three in advance of, of, um, rogue one as well. I mean, there are a lot of moments in that, that are really good. And a lot of them are the highlights are those Ian McGregor, Obi-Wan moments, yeah. Yeah. which are so great. This, the relationship between Baze and, um, uh, uh, Chirith, 
Chirrut? Yeah. Yep. Okay. And they say it so quickly anyway. Yeah. But, well, Kung Fu Jedi, uh, Jedi monk. Yeah. And then the uh, not Jedi, Jedi. And then Big Lasers, uh, um, uh, Jedi monk buddy. <laughs> yeah. I, at first I thought maybe they were, at first I thought maybe they were brothers. Yeah. Uh, because they refer, and only at one point because they were, they referred to Jin as a little sister at one point. Mm hmm. And I think that's more like it, it, it turned out to be a camaraderie thing, but I was expecting it to be right. Well, them being part of a, a temple and a, yeah, and I guess like, like that, a, that sort of yeah. like a brotherhood, like a fraternity yeah. kind of thing. But then, actually, I thought there there was a real sweetness to their relationship, and I wondered if there was actually a bit of a like a, just a gentle hint at romance. Yeah, oh, hmm. I didn't read that into it, but sure, uh, maybe maybe it was just the, it was just there for me because yeah. I was just like because <laughs> you're looking for it. Yeah, I was. I think they. I don't think they. I didn't think they would have. Yeah. And so when it was so sweet, I thought, oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Like, there's this is potentially here. Yeah. Or maybe it was another one of those Lord of the Rings kind of things. Where, <laughs> right. Where. Jumping on the bed. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, it's not in the, it's not in the, the story, but it's in the story if you want it to be there. <laughs> right. Yeah. In your yeah. fanfic. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I, I enjoyed them as characters. I'm, I'm also glad they didn't, um. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm almost glad they didn't spend longer developing each of them since we lost them at the end as well. Yeah. Oh yeah. Wait, no, one thing that drives me crazy, Bodhi, whose mm -hmm. name I do remember right yes. now for some reason, the yeah. pilot, he's a fun character. He's totally a fun character and redeemable, but what didn't work at all for me and, and feels like maybe it was just a, a artifact of the rewrite is when the octopus sucks his brain. Clearly this should mean that he is the kind of kooky character for the rest of the movie. I mean, I thought it was like, oh yeah, he's going to have some kind of brain damage. He yes. said he says it will drive people crazy, and it just doesn't. He's he's completely fine. Yeah, there's a couple of moments where he's sort of crazy, but but he, but but it, it goes away pretty quickly. By the yeah. end, he's totally he's totally there, and it yeah. just seemed like um, maybe they for, for, forgot to pick it up in rewrites or something. Yeah, like it, or, it, did, or make more way. of it, or it didn't really like it didn't really wind down clearly. Yeah, there was no point where somebody said, oh, you seem better. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know. It seemed like that was if they had a had leftover that, scene. Yeah, that, if they had if they had, had one moment where they said, "Oh, you seem better," and he did one more. Yeah, yeah, kind of dumb yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, so that was kind of weird, but I like. Yeah, I liked him still, and yeah. um, and yeah, he was one of those characters that he was he was one of the pure good, more or less. Like he mm -hmm. just, he just kept being good throughout it. Yeah, he was um, he was. A, like, I guess everybody even, except our main character. Yeah, even what he was hanging on to in the beginning, yeah. beginning was the fact that he was the pilot. And that it was really important that he had to get this message out, mm -hmm. and and so that I think that there's a there's a real nobility to that. Yeah. Like he knew what his mission was, he understood what he was doing, he understood he was defecting, and in, in a way, it makes him sort of the purest good guy of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. He's the only one that could have have gotten this information out. Right. Nobody else would have been willing to do what yeah. he did. Um, well, and going to our uh, bad guys, yes, Orson Krennic is the the, the primary antagonist. Yes. And uh, I thought he was really, really great. Mm -hmm. I acted really well, written well. Yeah, every, I like him every, as, everything really worked. I like him as a bad guy. No, I like uh, him under pressure. I actually, um, I, I, I even felt for him a little bit in from pressure from Tarkin, uh, Darth Vader, that uh, that there would be um, that there was this tension around him getting this thing complete and around. Yeah making sure that everything came together and that nobody got away with these plans. Well, and I think it shows that you can have different types of sympathetic villains. It, mm -hmm. a, a lot of the time it's like, Oh, you just have to understand their motivation. And I don't think that was so much the case as um, it, 
he was he was definitely just bad. Like mm. he didn't have something no, there was some something good hope. He wasn't working for a greater good. He was no. completely self motivated. But um there is some sympathy for him because even though he was doing bad things, he was working really, really hard to ob- achieve his objectives and was not being appreciated and, yeah. you know, kind of being a, a crapped on by his superiors a bunch. And then yeah. um, all his work really just goes to, to Tarkin in the end. Yeah. And um, so there's some kind of sympathy you end up having still, even though he's pure bad. But, yeah. So a good bad guy. I mean, Grand Moff Tarkin makes an appearance as a, bad, as a digital bad guy. Mm-hmm. He's He's a challenging one because Darth Vader is so... Like just the image of him was so threatening yeah. in the first in the first films. I never thought about Grand Moff Tarkin until I was until I was older and like read analysis of Star Wars and sort of following yeah. people that talked about him. He wasn't a character in my mind as a yeah. child. Like I didn't remember him. He was not. He had. Not, he was just one of the guys. In, but in he's those there pulling strings. Yeah. And but so, now he's he's developed. Obviously, like he's developed into a bit more of a character. Yeah. Um, and he was also gone in, by the end of the first film. Anyway, so he wasn't yeah. as present. Um, okay, but Darth Vader. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't know how to say anything productive about the last few minutes um, other than to just kind of gush about that I absolutely <laughs> loved it. Yeah, It's like it's what they wanted to do in the um, prequels. Like They wanted to establish Anakin as a, as a, you know, a, a badass fighter, and, and yeah. um, there's just nothing that worked with it, so... Yeah, it took it never quite their their attempt to turn Luke to the dark side and return the Jedi really played for me yeah. as a as a as a kid. And still as an adult, I always felt like, oh man, that was so great. Mm-hmm. I really thought he was tempted and I really thought he had to struggle to not to and then he ends up almost sacrificing his own life because he won't turn. And so right. that that really plays for me. And then going back and seeing those prequel films, I thought his turn was like all the information that happens in the in the second film. Mm-hmm. Or, or in the third film needs to happen in the second film, yeah. and I need to see it play out. Yeah, longer. I mean, the, the I think we covered this ground last time, but the big yeah. mistake was like he should have been a child in the first film. He should have been a young teenager. Yeah, like this journey needed to happen so much later. Yeah, um, yeah. The turn was the, the the biggest disappointment about the prequels. That was why the prequels existed was mm-hmm. to show Anakin turning Darth Vader, and he completely failed at that one objective. Yeah. So. Now, I mean, you um, know, there's all, we, and we've, it, it's well trodden ground. We've, yeah. we've, we've talked about it before and you've read and everyone else has, history. Yeah. And yeah. So leaving that aside though, it was nice to see, um, Darth Vader being awesome, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. threatening and awesome, uh, especially in the last few minutes of the film yeah. where he's, where he's <laughs> super awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, and to have it implied, yeah, yeah. Well, and to to have it implied that he could have been doing that during a new hope, but there was just no need because he was, he was, he was confident that, that, that everything was under control. Right. Now, is there any mention of the, there is a mention in the first act. It's, it's, it's Darth Vader's looking for the, the plans. Mm -hmm. So they know that the plans are out there, but then they're, they're just super confident that nothing can be done with them. Yeah. Is that? Oh, wait, you're saying in the first act of A New Hope. Yeah. They know the plans exist, but they are confident that there's no flaw in the system. Like, they yes. have the plans, but it doesn't matter. We've reviewed them, and there's yeah. there's nothing wrong. Our, our, we have good men working on it, and they can see no holes in the fortifications. Yeah, and so they leave it They, they leave it at that yeah. in the first act, and then we move on with the rebels attempting to do something about it. Yeah. Which really might just be them giving up. They, they don't see a hole. They may 
know that they are at risk, but mm-hmm. what are they going to do? They're not, it kept build another, or maybe they started building another Death Star because <laughs> yeah. they knew there might be that a, was That was the point yeah. where somebody pulled uh, Grandma Tarkin aside and was just like, you know what we should do is get to work on another one of these things. Because probably three years is, yeah, this is not going to last. Put it around a planet with some cute guys, like some little cute fuzzy guys. Wait, so was the shield generator on the moon? The in, forest moon of Endor, yeah. Yeah, so wait, was what happens when that Death Star moves away from the forest moon of Endor? So it's, it no... it's shown in the, in the, in the, in the, and then it's interesting, some early CG as well, but like, <laughs> yeah. it's shown in the graphic that came up that seems so spectacular made when I was a kid mm-hmm. of, of the, 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 the forest moon rotating and the, and the, the death star is in a synchronous orbit right. um, with the shield generator um, on the, on the base uh, um, on, on the forest moon of Endor. Um, like shooting out, like shooting like, out so it looks like a snow cone. Oh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. So um, we have to assume that that it's in some kind of synchronous orbit that yeah. can be protected that way. But what we know about the first Death Star now mm-hmm. is that it can go in hyperspace. Yes. So, what happens when the second Death Star travels? It, it, its force field can't come with it, or does it bring the moon along? Oh no! I we, I guess we have to assume they abandoned the they abandoned. The so it's just shield. during the construction phase that they needed the shield, and yeah. then they. Oh, okay. Yeah. So maybe it's not. Uh, ready to travel, but right. it's ready to, and it raises some interesting questions. And I actually think one of the things I'm going to do later tonight is I'm going to go back and watch Jedi again. Yeah. Gotta, Cause it's my favorite. Watch the bunch. Right now. And then I know everybody loves empire and, and, and I, you, I politely, you're wrong. And, um, <laughs> and I'm I, actually, I'm now, uh, confident that it's a new hope for me. Yeah. New hope yeah. is your, I think maybe because it's the most self-contained, like it's the most, it's, it's really a whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's got its beginning and ending and it's not that it's the best. I don't know. It just, maybe even this movie helps like give it some more. Yeah. Um, adds a little boost of, yeah. of detail. To it. Yeah. So, uh, I mean that, that covers our bad guys yeah. and our good guys mostly. Mm-hmm. Nice to see, uh, Warwick Davis and, uh, like a couple of, who, who, who's he playing? Put him in? He's remember. playing the, the, um, the mustachioed the guy. There he is. This guy. Yeah. Uh, Weed if QB. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it's just funny to have him in the films. Like, I mean, just, yeah, put him in all of them. Yeah. Like, put him, put him in all of those in every Harry <laughs> Potter film as well. Just. So, what's next? Now we wait for. Now we, so now we wait episode for episode eight. eight yeah. Uh, coming Christmas this year. And that's really going to decide, I think, how good Force Awakens really was. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of the things we said are really positive things in our previous review yep. depend on it paying off. Yeah, we only do gushing reviews for the most part. <laughs> And then, and then tragic pannings of films that, that we used to like. Yeah. Yeah. Which is what the internet does too. That's what it's for is to, is to complain about things that you used to like. And then I remember <laughs> writing a, a writing review of the, of the last of the dark Knight films a little after it came out saying, mm-hmm. here's, here's why you're going to hate it in, in six months. <laughs> and, uh, it took until, um, a Batman versus Superman but eventually people are like, yeah, there's a bunch of stuff. <laughs> Finally I hate turned against it. Yep. Christopher Nolan, what kind of filmmaker well, is he? I, I just before this, I re-listened to part of our last recording about this. Yes. And I found that really interesting just hearing like my first impressions again. So yeah. maybe this will be interesting later as well. But um, yeah, I, I think we have to wait. We have to wait how long until we really understand this. We're going to need to see the Han Solo movie episode eight and, and, and the final ones. We still got four years ahead of us. Yeah. What's going to happen after that? Are there going to be 12 movies? Well, I mean, I think... 12 primary uh, saga movies? I, I'm sure they would like to. Yeah. I, I mean, there's always a risk. There's always a risk that they could decide that the correct 
way to go would be to reboot the universe as well. I can't imagine. I, I wonder about that too. Yeah. Cause I mean, they've made such an effort to incorporate the old films, the original films. Yeah. I don't know. I, I could almost see it being like maybe a new saga. Like we jump to a new yeah, or, part of time. Yeah. Or a different galaxy or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or you could go way back. Yeah. But, like the kind of the old Republic Knights of the old Republic. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and there, there's some potential there. Although mm-hmm. uh, like any good fantasy series, the, the characters that you know first are the ones that you care the most about. Yeah, and yeah, they're doing a good job of trying to make these saga characters be connected and important and relevant. Mm-hmm. And the more you spin out from there, the sometimes the less meaningful these characters are. So bringing us up to the edge of a new hope, fun. Like without having to reboot a new hope, we get to find out a little bit more about what's going on in the universe. I loved seeing the two guys threat who were threatening Luke on Tatooine on the, on <laughs> oh, the planet. Yeah, yeah. Just but like they were like that was the right. planet that they were that they, was they one of the twelve just go systems. Yeah. Fights, yeah. They've got a death sentence there and they've also got a death sentence on the next <laughs> on Tatooine as well. Yeah, and, and I want to rewatch for all the little uh eggs like that that i missed i'm yeah, sure there's there so of, much it was that, the film was crowded with yeah. little easter eggs like just and like droids in the background or whatever you see one of them on the sand crawler later yeah um well s- and i think the ones that i've read articles about are only the obvious ones i suspect there's a lot of smaller details and, and deeper references that i would think so too and i think uh, based on you know gareth edwards loving this loving uh these films so much mm. it would be uh it would be there so uh, but yes in terms of understanding them Moving forward, I think the anthology films are, as an attempt at fitting into kind of propping up the original films so that they don't have to do anything to them, they can just re-release them and have them be a permanent part of the canon. It's a it's a it's a good idea, Mm -hmm. and where they go with Han Solo is also potentially interesting. What they that's a film where they might not have to because when we were kids, the Mm -hmm. the Han Solo comic books were just all over the place. There was like there was no. Real. Have you read all the comics? Or I read a bunch of them. I read, I read them, a bunch yeah. of them in the 80s, and I don't recall there being a lot of important detail. But of course, it was such a soap operatic format in the mm-hmm. 80s as well. I mean, comic books were always month to month, and there were rarely like short story arcs or rarely special guest authors or anything like that. So okay. the so the the writing was serialized, and and it's easy to have Han Solo have a serialized adventure without it having to lead to anywhere. Yeah. Um, whereas the new comic book series are meant to fit within time spans that make them a bit more relevant. Mm-hmm. So depending on where we take Han Solo, I, I don't think you can take him up to A New Hope, no. but you can maybe drop him back a little bit further and then... Yeah, it's got to be a lot earlier, I think. Uh, does it, is it going to overlap with something then? Like, does where, where was he during the... So he was just born during Episode 3. Yeah, in fact... Like he would have been a child. They've, they've a got him in the child. timeline, yeah. So, yeah. like, right around the time of episode three, he was... Right. So, he's not going to do anything interesting. Because I was wondering, what will it overlap with? Yeah. And, and like, he's older than Luke and Leia. So, actually, maybe even a little earlier. Than yeah. Luke so, like, it c- could hit Rogue One. Maybe it mm-hmm. could barely touch episode three. At some point in his young life, though. I mean, and again, this is sort of the kind of the kind of predicting we were doing when we were talking about what's going on in Rogue One as well. Mm-hmm. Because there are things that we... There are things that we know that happened in his past that we can probably that we can probably assume are there. We know he dumps a, 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 a load of cargo. Uh, um, I don't know what you're referring to. There. Oh, so like that's what gets him in trouble with Jabba Hutt and the, Jabba the Hutt in the first place. Oh, okay. He, he was, See, he was smuggling something for Jabba and he, and, and the, let it go. like he gets boarded by Imperial troops and he, and he, right. and he dumped the cargo. Okay. Got it. So we, we know that happens in his history, yeah. but whether or not they'd be willing to let a different actor that. go right up. Yeah. To no, I expected to be about, uh, cause 
Chewie owes him a life debt for saving him, right? Yeah. That's, I think that'll be the center of it. Yeah. And, uh, and also there's the, there's the tricking Lando Calrissian out of, out of, uh, yeah, yeah, of the Millennium Falcon as well. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That could all happen around the same time. Yeah. Oh yeah. That'd be really good. Okay. Yeah, that's, so, that's what and it's I know about. They're actually already talking about <laughs> Donald Glover, Donald Glover as, yeah. uh, Lando as well. Mm-hmm. So that's. <laughs> <laughs> Did you ever, uh, I, I don't follow Donald Glover in, in many things, but there's this really great, uh, talk show thing where he's saying that he used to go by Don. Glover. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah, <laughs> Don finally, Glover. Yeah. Finally pointed out that it's Don Glover. Uh, uh, okay. Anyway, thanks for joining me, Rob, and I'll see you again next December. <laughs> I'm looking very much forward to it. Thanks for joining everybody. Bye thanks, guys.